0: Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. To get the latest updates or to watch this week's message, visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. Amen. Well, uh, last Sunday we began a new teaching series called "Heal Our Land." Now I wonder who in here would agree with that hope and prayer that we would say, "God, would you heal our land?" Would you just say, "Amen"? Amen, right? Uh, I I actually need a little more help than that. If you agree with that prayer, would you say amen? Amen. That's right. Like we want to see God heal our land. And today the message is titled, If My People, which comes from the first three words of 2 Chronicles 7.14. And we're going to get into that scripture today. We're going to talk about it. And I want to talk about God's heart today and his heart for things like revival, his heart for things um, like Uh, healing our land, God's character as a healer, God has always been about healing. And I know and I think you know that we need God to heal our land. And uh, you know, this past week, this past week I was thinking about when I was 11 years old and I watched the Berlin Wall come crashing down. I don't know if most of you, a lot of you, if you're old enough, remember that, signaling the end, if you will, the beginning of the end for the Soviet Union And I remember images like the ones on the screen here uh, as a kid watching this moment and knowing it was a really big deal, right? I didn't understand it completely, but I knew that it was a big deal. It was like a world-changing kind of moment. And I don't know if you know much about this historic event, but the Berlin Wall was widely considered the most recognizable symbol of the Cold War. And it was an ominous symbol of the power by force And the oppression of freedom that the Soviet Union had gripped so much of the world with. And so why do I bring up the Berlin Wall? I'm sure I can make, you know, a dozen different really well thought out, well worded metaphors about the Berlin Wall to our days today. But I just just want to simply say that I marvel that there are times in and throughout our history when the walls that divide us come crashing down. I marvel that those times exist. I also know that history repeats itself and other walls get built back up, but every wall of oppression and every wall of injustice usually and will eventually come crashing down, and I'm thankful for that. And so today, I had the same feeling, and I don't know if you do too, but as I did when I was 11 years old, that I feel like I'm watching not only a wall crumble, I'm hoping that it does, but more importantly, I feel that this is a world-changing type of moment that we're in. Obviously, we have two major crises going on, and I don't have to, you know, detail the news to you, but we know that we have a global pandemic that has been the greatest disruption that our generation has ever seen. We also know that our nation is in the throes of a racial conversation that has a historic significance that once again is at a boiling point. And I feel like the world is changing because of these things, and it will be different, and it's interesting and and really a powerful thing to be living through. And as Christians, we must remember that none of this is a surprise to God. None of it. He cares about all of it, and most importantly, his heart doesn't change through it, even though The landscape and the tenor of our culture and world around us is changing. God doesn't change. He has a heart for the things of salvation, to see people coming into the kingdom. He has the same heart that he's always had. He wants to see revivals break loose, spiritual awakenings happen, and not only in people, but in cities and in nations and around the world. That's God's heart, amen? The Bible reveals the character of God over and over again. God intends, God intends for this to happen. God intends to heal. It's why we sing, we welcome the healer in this place. He heals the broken. God heals the sick. God heals the afflicted. God heals those who are in bondage to sin. And God heals the land. What does that mean? What does it mean to heal the land? Well, I want to get into 2 Chronicles seven fourteen today, and we're going to read it. Because this talks a little bit about the idea of healing the land. And we're just going to read it out loud together, which should be fun with all of us trying to read a long verse together. You guys ready for this challenge of the day? We're going to read it together and you're going to say it like you mean it. Right? I need a little help today. Thank you. Second Chronicles 7, 14, here we go. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Great job. That's good. So the story behind this scripture Most of you, if you've ever read it, you might know what it is, but Solomon has just built a temple. He's dedicating the temple. They've been crying out to God to heal their land. God responds to them. He actually says to Solomon these words that we read in chapter, or excuse me, in verse 14. He says some other things, but these amazing words that he says and healing throughout the Old Testament and then even throughout the New Testament, it always has a couple different applications. There's a spiritual application and there's a physical application. Sometimes healing is actually designed to be equated to forgiveness think about the story in mark chapter 2 when jesus heals the paralyzed man you know the guy who came through the roof well the first thing that jesus does is he forgives his sins then he heals him physically kind of symbol excuse me bringing about holistic healing to body and soul and there's this thing happening in 2nd chronicles though about healing the land It can refer to a couple things. It can mean bringing the exiles back to the promised land. That providing healing through restoration. God did this with his people many times. Secondly, it can mean restoring peace and security to the land. Jeremiah 33, 6 says this. Nevertheless, I will bring health and healing to it. I will heal my people and will let them enjoy abundant peace and security. Similar moment of healing in Isaiah 57 in verse 18. I have seen their ways, but I will heal them. I will guide them and restore comfort to Israel's mourners. This is, this is good news. He brings comfort to those who mourn. We have some mourning today and in, our, and in our land, creating praise on their lips, turning our mourning into praise. Peace, he says it again, peace, to those far and near, says the Lord, and I will heal them. And then get what he says here. But the wicked are like the tossing sea, which cannot rest, whose waves cast up mire and mud. There is no peace, says my God, for the wicked. That doesn't mean that God doesn't want to give them peace. It says they won't. It's essentially, they won't allow themselves to receive it. God heals through restoration, right? Bringing things back to the way they ought to be. God restores dignity to the people and he heals the land. God releases peace and security and he heals the land. God gives forgiveness and he heals the land and the people who inhabit it. So the passage, God says, I will heal their land. I will restore dignity to my people. I will... Restore peace and security. I will forgive sin. But before he says he will heal their land, he says this sentence and he says, if my people who are called by my name, if they'll do four things. If they will humble themselves, if they will pray, if they will seek my face, and if they will turn from their sin, These are for specific things, aren't they? Now, they aren't four steps. They're not like rungs to a ladder. It's not like we have to climb up these things in order to s- receive some sort of spiritual breakthrough. Life with Jesus is never a checklist. However, God does provide handles for us to grab a hold of. He sometimes provides handlebars for us to grab a hold of so we can steer and guide our life. Are you with me? And so he is giving us things to grab a hold of here. He's not telling us this checklist or this, this ladder or this, these rungs of a ladder to, to achieve spiritual you know, maturity. No, he's like, Would you grab a hold of these things? I'm I'm here to help you. And he says, grab a hold of these things. And here's the challenge, though. And I know you're ready for a challenge today. I'm, I'm I'm always in a place, and if you're a follower of Jesus, you probably would agree with this. I'm always in a place where I want to believe that I love and trust my Father in heaven with all of my heart. Yet I find myself in the difficult position where I'm not always humble, I'm not always praying, I'm not always seeking, and I'm not turning from my sin. Yet I say I love the Lord. He's given me the things to grab a hold of, yet I seem to be grabbing a hold of something else. And if you and I want healing, not only in our life, but in our land, we want to see revival break loose, if you will, in our world. We, don't, we, we have to grab a hold of the things that God has given us to grab a hold of, these handlebars. And instead, we're being led by the confused and flawed ways of the world in which whatever voice is the loudest is in the room is who we give attention to. And here's what we need to do. We have to turn our hearts and our minds and our ears to the things of God because it's in those things, the things that we lean into, that we find healing coming about not only in our life but in our land. So let's talk about these four handles that God has given us. Are you guys with me? If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, humble yourself. Let's talk about humility. You know, sociologists have said this is the most narcissistic <laughs> culture and age in, a, in, in the history of the world. You're like, oh, thank you. Tell me more about myself. I want to hear more about myself. <laughs> Rumblings like i it getting a little late, but that's okay. We are addicted to our self-image. We want to know what everybody thinks about us. That's why we love our selfies. That's why we love our website pages that we call our social media pages. That's why we love our own personality tests and we love to talk about them. And here's no judgment, because I've done all those things. (laughs) But I understand that we are living in a very self-centered culture. Many of us have been born into it and we don't know how to do life any differently. It's why we struggle so much with people who are different from us and who disagree with us. I think we all need to take a fresh look at humility. Because most of us aren't as humble as we think think about it. I mean, how humble is it for us to say, you know, I'm not very prideful, I'm pretty humble. (laughs) I'm a humble person. It's not me that's prideful, it's them that's prideful. They're the arrogant ones. How? I don't think you understand what humility means. (laughs) And this is how we talk, though, and this is what we think in our minds. It's them that are prideful. Our pride leaks into nearly everything too, by the way. Many of us walk in versions of strange spiritual pride. You know, I, I've heard people say this, literally say things like this as Christians. We, we think, why don't they seek the Lord like, like me or like we should, or they look at people and why don't they worship like me? Or they actually will say, I think I'm more spiritual than them. And so I should have more of a position than they do do you see what they do? I mean, what's wrong with them? Why don't they care more? Or there's the flip side, the other type of spiritual pride, where we look at someone and say, look at how they're worshiping, man. It's kind of weird. It's, man, they believe in some kind of crazy stuff. Like what, praying in tongues? What, they believe in prophecy? Like, I don't know. I've never experienced those things. Therefore, I don't know if God's in them. How arrogant is it to think that everything that you've experienced with God is the only things of God? There's so many things when it comes to humility to say, you know what, I don't, I, I think it leaks out of us, this, this idea of pride in so many ways. 1 Peter 5, 6 and 7 says, humble yourselves therefore under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. He'll lift you up when it's the right time. And then by the way, I'll throw this in there, cast all your anxiety on him, oh, because he cares for you. Thank you, Jesus. I love what the late Dallas Willard said. He said, I'm practicing the discipline of not having the last word. (laughs) Maybe we should just end with that. That could be the last word. (laughs) That's good, right? It's a good word for us today. Think about our land these days. How healing would it be if humility permeated the land? How healing would it be if, if I'm so thankful for the posture of listening that so many are taking right now in this conversation, in this struggle around race. I'm so thankful for it. It's the only way that we'll learn. And by the way, I'm all about about learning. I'm not about guilt, but I am about growth. You know, Jesus didn't guilt us into anything, but he showed us how to live a better way. We need to humble ourselves so we can grow as his people. So in my humble opinion, or as some of you like to call it, humble. So humble you drop the age. (laughs) (laughs) a couple thoughts about being humble because you know I've thought a lot about it and I'm kind of (laughs) humble first I think I need to pray differently here's the deal I can't just pray about my own stuff I can't just pray about my own life I need to learn how to pray for others and pray for my city and pray for my church and pray for healing in this land pray for people I don't know pray for my strangers pray for neighbors pray for my enemies right when is the last time you prayed for an enemy or a stranger, or even a neighbor. Like, here's the thing about prayer, and this one's gonna hit us all at the knees. You're ready for it. You pray about what you care about, and if all you seem to be praying about are things that are related to yourself, you might only care about yourself. You say, Tim, you're preaching at me. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, I am, actually. <laughs> I'm preaching at us. Check this out in 2 Timothy 3, verse one. But mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days, people will be lovers of themselves. Now, the original Greek for terrible times actually translates to terrible times. <laughs> like really bad times. Like the, it's, this is terrible days. And I think some of us would say this feels very, very much like the days we are in right now, though you're facing terrible times. Yes, yes, we are in some ways. But then Paul says, not only is this relevant to our days, that people will be lovers of themselves. By the way, do you know who this verse is talking about? It is not talking about people who are far from God, it is talking about people in the church. It is talking about followers who act godly, yet they are lovers of themselves. It says they have a form of godliness later in this scripture, yet They are lovers of themselves. They like to always have the last word. They lack humility. So I must pray differently. If I'm gonna say that I'm not, if I care about others, I also must talk differently. Humble people lift others up through the words of encouragement. Humble people aren't afraid to give away credit, to lay down their ego and to point people point the light on other people humble people talk about God and Jesus freely and uninhibited by fear because they're not afraid what other people think because life isn't about them it's about shedding light on the only one where true purpose and true freedom is found you know John the Baptist famously said I must decrease so that he can increase and the whole the whole purpose of john the baptist was to be the predecessor that would shed the light on jesus do you understand that like his whole purpose in life was to pave the way for the glory of god to be shown through the person of jesus christ what a picture for us and the ways that we are supposed to live as a voice in the wilderness crying out saying prepare the way of the lord prepare the way of the lord We must humble ourselves. So start with what you pray about and what you talk about. Because pride builds Berlin walls, right? Of division. But humility creates doorways, pathways, bridges and windows for for love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness and self-control to all come rushing in. Which by the way, those things are the fruit of the Holy Spirit. And so in other words, what I'm saying is Humility creates the highway for the Holy Spirit to come rushing into our world. Are you with me? Okay, so that's point number one. (laughs) Point number two, three, and four are much shorter because I, I think it all begins with humility. We'll talk about these other three things throughout the rest of our series, but I'll touch on them briefly. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray, and pray, I like talking about prayer. We've said it for years. Everything begins and ends with prayer. And if we aren't praying, then we are saying to God, I don't need you. If we aren't praying, we're saying, God, I can figure this out on my own. I can build intimacy with something else. I can give praise to something else. I don't need to pray because I have those things figured out. So am I saying that's all we need to do? Just pray. Just pray. That's, that'll fix everything. Just pray it out. Here's the deal. I do not believe prayer is the answer to everything. Can things improve without prayer? Yes. Do good things happen without prayer? Of course. Do sick people get well without prayer? Happens all the time. But prayer, prayer acts as the heat to the thermometer. Are you with me? Meaning it raises the temperature of the room. Prayerless living grows cold to the things of God. A Christian who prays little is relying on head knowledge of something that's happened in the past. It's a memory. So whenever I have someone ask me about a friend that I used to have in high school, I have a memory, I have a head knowledge about who that person is, and I could tell you about my experience back then. But you know what does not give me the, the insight to who the person has become and what is happening in their life now? I have no relationship with them. And here's what happens with the Lord, right? Prayer is the pathway to his presence, and it's where we stay in an intimate relationship with him, understanding the moves of his spirit and the ways that he's moving in this moment and in this time. We must be praying in these days. You know, there's a new, there's a new Bethel song that came out. It's called Revival is in the Air. And there's a line that says, we are marching on our knees. I was just like, whoa. What a picture. We are marching on our knees. We march to love, that we are marching in prayer. I love that picture. So, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, and then the third one was, and seek my face. Seek my face. Seeking the face of God is similar to prayer, we kind of lump it together. But seeking the face of God takes it up a notch, right? It's like it takes it up a notch, which I like that. It's prayer and intimacy with an adventurer's sort of spirit, right? Like that God has more for you to discover. Seeking the face of God is an invitation to discover more of God, which I love it. When I was a kid, I, I loved the Indiana Jones movies. I mean, you can't forget that scene in the Temple of Doom when the guy like rips the dude's heart out of his chest. Like... I absolutely loved and was terrified by that scene as a kid, right? <laughs> All simultaneously in the same moment. But here's the thing. Indiana Jones, right, like always was seeking the next great discovery, wasn't he? And he would literally do whatever he had to do to, to, to find that treasure, to find that great discovery. And along the way, the, it was an adventure of not only pursuing something, but fighting off the enemy. Are you with me? That He was not only fighting out the enemy, he was learning who he could trust along the way to where he finally, finally found this treasure. And I don't think life with Jesus is perfectly portrayed by Indiana Jones, by the way, <laughs> but there's a lot of adventure to it. There should be this treasure of seeking the Lord with excitement about the breakthrough that God wants to bring us, the healing that he wants to release. Like seeking the Lord and seeking the face of God. It's a belief that there's more. It's a belief that you haven't yet attained what God has in store for you. It's saying, I'm gonna keep pressing in as a person who is hungry and thirsty for more of his presence, more of his righteousness, more of his power and his presence not only in my life, but in my city, in my church, in our nation and around our world, because God isn't here for me, he's here for the sake of the world. Whenever we can lift ourselves up out of just life being about us, but understanding, no, 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 it's about the purpose that God has for us, that we get to join in that mystery of his grace and his gospel being released into the world. And we get to see the power of his love transforming lives. You know, Matthew 6, says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. First Chronicles 16, says, Seek the Lord and his strength and his presence continually. Psalm 119 says, uh, verse 10 says, With my whole heart I seek you. Psalm one nineteen two 2 says, Blessed are those who keep his statues and seek him with all of their heart. We get to be seekers of the greatest treasures that exist in this world. They're found in the presence of God, seeking His face. God's like, I'm trying to give you the handlebars. I'm trying to get you off from being steered by the things of this world that are gonna be broken and hurting and are gonna be confusing. And I want you to grab a hold of something. I want you to grab a hold of being humble. I want you to humble yourself. I want you to pray because whenever you pray, like I want you to pray, it puts your heart intimately, intimately connected to me and the work of the Spirit. And I want you to seek my face because I'm not done. I have more to show you. And then, and then I want you to. Turn from your sin. He says, pray, seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I want you to turn from your sin. So this is the fourth and final thought. Humble yourself, pray, seek God's face, turn from your sin. And most of us, if we're being really honest, we intentionally, we do not want sin to be a part of our life. But we learn how to live with sin. And we can become very comfortable with sin and we allow its presence in our life, and essentially, I want you to think about this, we allow some sins to sit right next to Jesus in our life. That's how graphic and disturbing it is, is that we allow sin to be so present with us that we feel like it has the, the, that it's okay, that it sits right alongside the love for Christ that we have. We aren't fighting against sin. We're accepting it. But we gotta remember, that the heart of God is that he loves purity. God doesn't demand perfection like he's some hard-driving coach that says, do it right or get off the field. That's not the heart of God. No, he's a father who understands that if you keep drinking from sewer water, you're gonna get sick. He wants you to drink from his pure, clean, living water. It's that water that heals us. You know, when we allow sin to become part of our life, it really is like drinking from the sewer. My suggestion to all of us is that we take a really honest heart check in our life and ask ourselves, what sin have I allowed to become tolerable in my life? What am I allowing to sit right alongside my faith? God loves purity, and that's why he says, I need you to turn from your wicked ways, not because he demands perfection, but because he's a loving father that says, if you don't, you're gonna get sick. I could talk for days about this, but today I thought we should just spend some time taking a step together to pray as the scripture says, and to pray specifically in these four things that we can grab a hold of today. Humbling ourselves before God, praying and seeking his face, and turning from our sin. And so I'm actually just I'm pushing us right into it. We're just gonna pray. So if you just bow your heads. We're gonna create some space for prayer today, then we are going to worship. We really need to worship today, by the way, and I'm excited to sing, but for about five minutes or so, we're just gonna pray. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, I just wanna say this, if you aren't used to praying in general, it's okay. If you aren't used to praying in church like this, what I'm doing right now, where I'm gonna lead us into prayer, it's okay. You can just observe, you can learn, You don't have to participate, but I I do want you to know. No matter if you have no idea what's going on, or if you have a complete, you can participate because God is inviting you into prayer with Him today. He's inviting you. Every one of us—we're invited right now by the by the God of all creation into an intimate moment right now. And so, first of all, I just want you to know: there's no need to rush in this moment. Let's just rest in His presence. In fact, why don't we just, let's take a deep breath. Can everybody just breathe in? Let's do one more, deep breath. time that we can just allow what's been bottled up in us all week and bring it before the Father. That we can lay bare our soul before God who wants to give us living water. You see, the God that we call lord he's a god who heals he sets free he restores (laughs) he releases and restores people to his promise so maybe in your own way just say Lord, holy spirit will you move in my heart in this moment will you speak to my heart can you just say a prayer like that you can just i'm just going to give you little prompts to just say a prayer say holy spirit would you move in this moment you speak to my heart. In your own way, just say that. You can add to it. You can simplify it. Holy Spirit, we offer up who we are right now. It's all we have. I kind of want to step into this, these four sort of movements of this passage, humbling ourselves before the father, praying and seeking his face, I just, I believe you need to, we all need to just take a step and say, Lord, I want to humble myself right now. We need to declare that it's all about him, that we want to shed the light on him. Jesus, it's all about you. Can you just say that? Jesus, it's all about you. It's not about me. You may even feel led in this moment to posture yourselves in a way that humbles yourself before the Father. Some of you may want to go to a knee. Some of you may want to get lower somehow just saying, Lord, I want to be humble today. say, Jesus, it's all about you. I want to talk about you. I want to pray about your kingdom come, your will be done. Not only in my life, but in the lives of those around me, in my city and in my, and in our world that's hurting right now. And another way to humble ourselves is to just praise him. Sometimes it's hard for people to praise God outside of a song. What if that song is in your heart where you're just saying, I wanna give you praise and you specifically point to things you wanna praise him for. That's a humbling act to say, God, this is all you. Maybe you wanna praise him right now. Start lifting up praises. humbling to pray for other people maybe there's someone that the holy spirit's going to put on your heart right now and it's time for you to just say lord i want to pray for them i want to lift them up i want to pray forgiveness in my heart for them i want to pray forgiveness in their heart i want to pray for their salvation i want to pray for their breakthrough lord it's not about us it's about the work that you want to do father seek his face by saying, God, I want more of you. Maybe you could just declare that, God, I want to discover something new. I ask, Lord, that I would eagerly desire more of you. Maybe just pray something like that. asking you to do the work here. I'm not gonna do it. I'm just creating a space for you to humble yourself, to seek his face, to pray. In a moment, we'll turn from our sin, but just humble yourself, pray, seek his face. Take this moment, lean in to the things that he's he's asked you to grab a hold of. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, will pray, will seek my face. I will hear them from heaven. (laughs) Would you take a moment and just pray? Pray for our city and our nation our world pray with the challenges that the world is facing with a global pandemic pray over our nation and things we are experiencing across our land with peaceful protests and confusion and the list goes on and on that we just need healing but we also need change This is a moment of change. Would the right changes come about? Would God honoring changes come about? Would the healing living water of God come rushing into our land? Now I wanna pray for uh, time of just turning from sin. This one's up to you. I'm just going to give you a few moments to spend time confessing sin and asking to be forgiven and truly repenting. When we turn away from sin, we are turning to the Lord, and so I just want to give you the space to do that, and in a couple minutes the worship team will lead us into worship. So there's going to be a time of just us sitting. I'm hopeful for some turning of sin and some repentance to happen in these next few minutes and then we're going to worship so these next this next minute or two it's yours